Hello and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk podcast. Today is Tuesday, April 7th, 2020. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am joined by the Red Hot, just coming off a victory in NBA simulation, the man, the myth, the legend, and he's now ahead of me in the contest too by one. That's Mr. Andrew Hansen. Oh boy, it feels good. Nice to get in that W column uh, at the top of the list there in NBA last night and excited to get back after it tonight. And you know, I think it's partly for me, it's this April vibe. It's a, I know you agree that it's the best birthday month. Oh yeah. Today is actually my sister's birthday. So happy birthday to Elizabeth. Wow. I'm going to see if I can go back to back tonight in honor of my sister. Wow, that well, that's a that's a pretty good effort that I see coming forward tonight from you. But I, it was uh, so bittersweet for me yesterday. I I predicted I was going to win it, and I had you in my bottom five, Andrew. <laughs> Not smart. That motivated and, me. <laughs> and you won it. And guess who finished in the bottom five? Oh boy, did you? Me. Yes. <laughs> oh, ouch. And I I have at least five seconds. So I've been knocking on the door, knocking on the door. Then I had a collapse yesterday. So we're, we're, uh, we're regrouping over here in, in the coach uh, household, trying to get a winning lineup together. But, uh, I was, I, I saw that you won. I saw my prediction. Then I saw that we were doing the podcast the next day. And I said, you know what? I'm not even going to fight it. I'm just going to be just roll humble <laughs> and just accept it and yep. take it right square in the nose. And that's all right, man. You deserve it. You had a good lineup. Who, who was your big uh, boss yesterday that brought you home? I think the way I finished the lineup with Jared Allen at a power forward. and then, Oh, he had a big game. Yeah. yeah and then Montrez Harrell. Those two guys have a lot of ceiling games when their price tag is in that 5 to 6K range on FanDuel. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that was solid, man. And we're still all chasing the damn king of sim, Mr. Chucky Davy uh, S. Caldwell, as he's known at, right. in our uh, world. But uh, that dude is amazing, man. He took down the baseball last night. And so he just keeps rocking and rolling. He's the simulation king. I think he's got some type of he's got to be one of these math guys that has some type of analytic uh summation he's doing of some sort i don't know yeah or, or maybe he just had a birthday too i mean not sure what it is but the the good thing is he he hasn't gotten to seven victories yet so the, the no. challenge continues but between the two contests do you realize he's won six of the last 14 he I has mean, been hot <laughs> you can't win six out of 14 just off the cuff when you're having 17 18 guys in some of these contests that's just nuts but that's uh, that's some good skill right there that is impressive maybe he's used all of his luck and it'll be uh it'll be like a stone at the bottom of the lake now and we all we all take over let's hope so that's what i'm sticking with um but anyway a beautiful day here in dallas i don't know how it is there but do you know i am sitting on my porch i have my our mascot for dfs coach talk my uh, my dog Chance and uh, my daughter's little dog Bella, a little Chweenie, has come over for a play date. So 
the three of us are sitting out here soaking up the 84 degree temperature here in Dallas today. Well, How about that? That is excellent. Normally I'd be quite jealous, but we have a nice back to back. Speaking of back to backs, 60 yeah. degrees and sunny up here Ooh. in the Northeast. So two straight exciting spring days. Yeah. Also help, helping me get in the vibe along with some positive news in the sports world the last 24 hours. Well, we hope so. I mean, I, I blasted all over our Discord last night and today. You know, you keep hearing these rumblings, which, you know, a rumbling usually means at least we got something to look to. But, yeah, baseball is talking about maybe as little as a month away, possibly, with all the games being played in Arizona, which would be interesting. And basketball looking at possibly maybe six weeks away uh, with all the games being played in Vegas or uh, a similar type venue like that. So I've heard Denver as well, but uh, it should be interesting, man. I mean, at least we're we're getting some hope that this thing is going to, you know, the the uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you know, the, the biggest turning point for me was not only the call that President Trump had with all the commissioners, but then when Adam Silver came out and said, we're not making any decisions until May 1st. I yeah. thought that was a big turning point because he's, you know, we'd had a little bit of momentum of things being canceled, like Wimbledon, the right. Open Championship in golf. And, you know, I, I just wanted these leagues to not rush into any, you know, negative decisions like canceling the season. So right. just to hear him say, you know, we're going to wait until May 1st to make our next move. I just I just really thought that that was a step in the right direction. And then, you know, sure enough, we get the, the baseball news where they're actually yeah. talking about playing in May or June. So I think if everybody just kind of continues to hang tight here for a couple of weeks, hopefully the, the curve will be flattening and dropping. And, you know, then we can actually iron out some plans to get back on the field. I hope so. You know, I actually heard something, too, uh, this morning that, they're talking about playing the Masters in November. Yes, that's the other thing. I'm that's glad you mentioned it. That's another thing. That's they, that's beautiful, man. Yeah, no, they came out with some big golf announcements in the last 24 to 48 hours too. They're going to have the PGA Championship in August. Yeah. They're going to have the U.S. Open in September, the wow. week before the Ryder Cup. So that'll be crazy back-to-back weeks, and then they'll have the Masters in November. Oh that's my the, god. That's the tentative plan. So. Um, yeah, golf is looking good, and it's just going to be a wild August, September, oh, and fall. With I mean, how are, can you imagine DFS during that that three or four month stretch? I mean, uh, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, baseball in full gear, football in full gear, all the golf and tennis and all that they're re uh, you know resetting now. It's all going to be jammed in. To probably like September, October, November, really. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be a bonanza. It's going to be unreal. I cannot wait, man. (laughs) It is. It is going to pay off. But uh, it's so nice to have a positive thing to talk about that. We've been so in the dark about this the whole time. So, I mean, we're not out of the woods. I get it. But no. But, uh, you know, it sure seems to be trending that way. That's for sure. Yes, indeed. That's for sure. So. I don't know. We'll uh, 
we'll see how it rolls, man. But it's it's fun to have some positive news and something to look forward to without question. So, you know, check us out. Stay up to date. We're posting. I've been posting stuff like a madman on Twitter and in our Discord. Um, you can check us out on Twitter at Twitter at DFSCoachTalk.com. Uh, check us check our website out. It's www, as you know, dfscoachtalk.com. Um, and you know, we're we're constantly on there updating stuff. You know, our memberships are frozen until sports begin again. So jump in our Discord, jump aboard, and uh, we're having all kinds of fun contests, as you heard, Andrew took down a, a tournament yesterday so that proves we should get a bunch of new people in there because they know if andrew can take it down anybody could win it right <laughs> no I'm, I'm kidding you man but uh and you can you know catch us seven days a week we we've taken a commitment here at coach talk we made the, the vote and it was eight zero vote uh from day one when gobert went down that we were not going to stop bringing uh information forward for our seven-day-a-week podcasts, and that we weren't going to get lost in all the silliness of Sims and Madden and 2K and all that stuff. We were going to, you know, I know it's hard because people are like, why do I want to listen to DFS strategy and breaking down teams when we're not going to be able to play DFS for four to six weeks? Well, the reason you want to do it is because when it comes back, you want to be prepared to kill it. And I'm telling you, you stick with us, ride out these shows, listen to the insight, take a few notes so you don't forget or, you know, whatever you have to do to remember the specifics we're going over. Because as we're doing some of these shows, Andrew, as you know, we're finding out gems on our own saying, wow, you know, stuff that stuff that really sticks out like a sore thumb. And to have all that at your fingertips when we go back to sports, I'm telling you right now, it's going to pay off in spades. Absolutely. And it's nice when we dig in here, get a different team, overlook the other one or, or look into the other one and sort of motivate each other to find all the key takeaways. And that's certainly my focus going into the podcast. I mean, we're not yeah. we're not doing these podcasts just to do them. We're doing them to get better and to that's dig right. back in and take advantage of the opportunity to do more research sort of in the middle of the season. It's It's a real opportunity. So yeah, let's continue to focus on these takeaways to help everybody get better. I, I'm telling you right now, man, and I hate to be the, the preacher here, but if you're out there and you're a DFS player, big-time NBA, MLB, or NFL player, and you're just spending this six-week, seven-week hiatus just not paying any attention to any of that and playing video games and you know watching Netflix 10 hours a day and uh, you know, not preparing whatsoever for when sports returns, you're going to be way, way behind the curve because it's going to be overwhelming when it all comes back and you're going to be like, you know, burning money. Like everybody always puts that uh, gif up there of the two guys shoveling the money into the furnace. Well, that's going to be people that aren't aren't uh, on board getting ready for this. And I'll tell you, we're I think I have yet to find anybody else that's completely dedicated to preparation like this in the DFS provider industry. So, you know, we've got a unique spot. Uh, our audience continues to grow, not at the rate it was before DFS was over, but we're going to, you know, I think as it gets closer, we'll see that increase each day. So I'm excited, man. And you can catch us all, like I say, seven days a week. 
on uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeart, Spotify, and YouTube. We announced the winner yesterday to our monthly contest. Uh, we do on the first Sunday of every month for a, a one-month membership, and that's a $75 value. And wh- would you believe who the hell won it? Yeah, I know it. We S. did a blind well. draw. Yeah, S. Caldwell, the king himself, the Sim King, who's won like everything that we've done in the last month. We do an honest drawing of anybody that put five stars on on iTunes and put a comment, and he won it. So congratulations to the winner. He's red, red hot. And uh, jump in there for next month's drawing. Remember, all it is is 20 seconds to put in there, you know, whatever, five stars, great show, loved it, blah, 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 and then you're, you're qualified for that drawing. And then also on YouTube, you know, Rate, review, subscribe, you know, those thumbs up, hit that little bell to give you the the uh, notification when our podcasts post. You can do that on, on almost any of those uh, outlets, and this way you don't have to search around and wait for it. Like Mr. At Brenton up there in the Northwest was looking for the show this morning already, uh, Andrew. He was on his walk with his new puppy, and he's... Uh, looking for the pod and i said brother we it's not out yet you gotta wait just a little bit you and layton spoiled him yesterday with recording the night before and putting it out early we did we did that and you know occasionally that you know we'll do that a a potry does that some as well and and that's nice too but generally you're going to see this post between some like 11 and 1 that's sort of the the window we've been shooting for and we like to keep everybody on their toes so they're uh, you know, they can hit those alarms and those notification bells so that they know when it is. So, all right, man, without any further ado, how about we jump into these two teams? And we're down to our last couple of days. Right now we have uh, today we're doing the Nuggets and the, and the Jazz. And then tomorrow is the Lakers and the Clippers. I believe that's Apatry and Santino, Correct. Correct. And then, unfortunately, we thought we were done then, but we did have one show, one podcast that somehow uh, got lost up in the cloud, according to Skype. And that was the show that Santino and I did uh, back, uh, I think it was the, I don't even remember who it is now. Was it the Spur or the Timberwolves and the Suns? Timberwolves and Suns. Okay, so we'll be so tomorrow. You've got the two bosses of of uh, podcast and Santino and Apatria hitting Clippers Lakers, and then you've got the final basketball duo of Suns and Timberwolves, and then we do a couple of strategy shows for baseball, and we start the baseball train. Two two baseball teams a day preview deep dive podcasts all the way through and then we start into football after that and you know what andrew i get to say this for the first time we may be good to go once we get through the football stuff and may not even have the opportunity to do those mock drafts but what a nice problem that would be (laughs) that would be a wonderful problem to have golly that would be great so, you know, we're, we've got a full slate. We're staying busy and we're keeping it going. So let's get into 
the Denver Nuggets. Now, here's a question for Andrew right off the bat. I find that I see a lot of Nuggets stacks. I see a ton of guys that play Jokic and Murray and uh, Barton or, you know, Jokic, Barton, Grant, uh, some Porter. You know, they're mixing all kinds of guys in there, but they seem to be very popular. And I don't know if it's because they all, when Denver has home games, they feel like they have a big edge because of the altitude or what. But I've got some statistics today that are going to push back a little bit about the popularity of the, of the uh, Nuggets. What do Excellent. you think? Well, I don't stack them like I do other teams. They okay. are 29th in pace, after all. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like playing Jokic and Murray together because they have such a great two-man game at the top of the key. Right. And I'll just mention one stat that I like, and then you can work on some of the stuff that um, detracts you from playing these guys. Yeah. But the, the team is fourth in assists. Right. 26 and a half assists a game and Jokic and Murray lead the way there. So um, when they get big minutes, they often correlate well together, you know, setting each other up for those jumpers. So if I'm going to stack a couple guys, I I don't mind stacking those two together. But, you know, for one reason, being the pace in general, I don't play a ton of Denver players. Yeah, and and I'll tell you, they're pretty popular, uh, you know, looking back at lineups and such, and sometimes they're in winning lineups. But I can tell you this, I do not remember, and I really was searching my brain, which is a little shaky as is, but I searched it as much as I could to think of the last time I played more than two Denver Nuggets in my lineup. And I don't think I've done that all season. In fact, I don't believe I've, played but one one-offs at a K occasionally if the matchup is perfect for the Joker or perfect for uh, Murray uh, you know I, I don't really usually go to uh, Grant unless Millsaps out you know stuff like that so I just don't find myself going there a lot but I can see why first of all they're 43 and 22 when you're 21 games over 500 you're playing some ball uh oh, we're getting some dog effects here. No. And so they're 21 games over 500. They're uh, super impressive, uh, 25 and 8 at home, which that is a, a home court advantage. Maybe it is the altitude as well. 18 and 14 on the road. Um, would you believe they're 10 and 1 in their division? I mean, they, and that's the Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, and, and all those guys. So I'm having Chewini dog troubles here, man. That's okay. We're going to get a little bit of barks in the background. But, uh, yeah, 10 and 1 in a tough, tough division. So I think that's super impressive. But let me, let me go over the reasons why. You know, I think – so I tell you all those numbers to tell you that I think that's part of the reason. People think, hey, the Nuggets are good. Look at their record. Look at their home record. And – They're always in a pace-up situation because they're the second slowest team in the league. So I think people look at them and think 21 games over 500, 25-8 at home, 10-1 in their division. It's a huge pace-up game for them. Let me take two or three nuggets. 
And here's some reasoning why I don't believe that that's correct. Denver is 99.6, second to last in the league uh, in pace. When you're under 100, you're talking about severely limiting possessions. And that is a DFS killer because those extra possessions, I mean, one possession can be another seven DFS points available. You take 10 of those away in a game, that's 70 DFS points filtered around players that you're taking. And, I, you know, that's a huge sacrifice to make. On top of that, it's not like they're going to be in a game that's up and down where they're, you know, both teams are scoring a ton because they're 11th in the team, uh, league in team defensive efficiency. So, you know, they're not just slowing it down, working the ball. How many podcasts have I said, we're going to watch Jokic at the top, He's going to have it. He's going to ball fake. Two guys are going to cut back door. Somebody's going to set a a screen. He's going to take one dribble. He's going to fake a pass. Somebody else goes back door and he throws a bounce pass to him for a layup. That's like the call of every possession almost, (laughs) unless Murray decides he needs a shot and he's going to do a little pick and roll with him. But other than that, it's, I mean, it's like that every time down. So that slows the pace of the game. Then when they get back on D, they play damn good defense. So I I just, you know, those are all things that concern me. And then let's go to sort of the the real truth teller here, and that's uh, usage. And that's such a good thing to look at, specifically when, you know, you have everybody playing a decent amount of games. And I can tell you one thing, the reason why, big reason why Denver is so good I'll read this off real quick, but that's not very, not very many teams that have these numbers. Uh, you've got Jokic has played 65 games, Murray 55, Porter 48, Millsap 44, Barton 58, Plumlee 53, Grant 64, Monte Moore 65, Gary Harris 56, and Torrey Craig 50, and even Malik Beasley before they traded him 41. So when you're talking about 10 guys that have that much time, you know, they're using their bench. Malone is that kind of coach that likes to rotate. He's not afraid to sit Jokic in big chunks, another negative. And uh, he's also a guy in a blowout either direction is not going to play his guys extra minutes. He's going to put the, the bums check in there early on. You know, you'll get that whole second uh, group of guys, uh, checking in so you know they they lost a little depth when they traded Hernan Gomez and uh uh Beasley Beasley but still the the main group of them plays big minutes so here's the thing how many guys this is your first quiz question of the day how many guys are between 25 and 16 percent usage on this team uh let's see here no cheating no cheating yeah i'm not cheating i'm just looking at the roster um i'm gonna say eight how about if i told you it was 11 Ooh. so that's a that's a stinger i'll i'll read you down the percentages of usage so this will give you an idea you know we've gone through the team's with monster, monster usage, like, 
when you know we see the Hardens and Westbrooks and we see the Lucas and Porzingis and all these guys dominating their teams, and then there's a massive drop off. Well, we've got um, 26, 25, 22, 20, 20, 20, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16. Isn't that nuts? So, Very steady. So you're talking about a massive amount of sharing the ball, a slow team, a good defensive team. And, you know, I certainly not roster guys when they play on the road because they're barely over 500 and you've got all those other elements. Uh, but I guess, you know, if you feel somebody in a perfect matchup, if it's a team that's terrible against point guards, for example, let's say they're playing the Cavaliers and it's in Denver. OK, I, I could I could put Murray in there. But other than those perfect spots, man, I don't trust it. And Jokic is one of the four or five most expensive guys in the league. I mean, he, he costs you money similar to the Harden, Westbrooks and Lucas just a little bit behind that. So, you know, I just I see a lot of risk and just a lot of concern. Now, Jokic is 26 percent usage, Murray 25. But, man, those guys should be at least 30 percent usage. I mean, we're looking at some of these other studs up for their teams at 36, 37, 38 percent. And there's a gigantic red cardinal that just landed on my balcony. Does that mean the St. Louis Cardinals? I'm t- I'm stacking Cardinals in our contest. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then after that, it's a crapshoot. All those other guys I mentioned, they're all jammed together. But it's Porter, Millsap, Barton, Plumley, Grant, Morris, uh, Torrey, Craig, Gary Harris. And, you know, I've seen got Gary Harris get uh, a lot of action lately. He's 11th, dude, 15%. He's 16%. I'm sorry. He's the last guy on that list. So uh, I don't know. Just seems like a lot of concern for me. I'm not a Denver Nuggets guy. I know I I gave Jokic a massively hard time early in the season because he was so overweight. And he did lose. What what did I tell you? The last total was 32 pounds or something. I mean, he did get in bed. But what's he going to be like now? That's the question. Is he going to come back with that 32 pounds back on? I bet you he does. Well, here's the thing. I pulled out a stat and I was going to ask you that same question because he really was benefiting from being in better shape. Oh, no doubt. Okay, so he had this season, he's had 11 games over 60 fantasy points on DraftKings. So seven of the 11 were in the last 31 team games. So he was really starting to peak, starting to show that explosiveness. I mean, he had three games over 70 and one yeah. over 80. So, you know, he was showing you that ceiling, but exactly. That was the question. It all I was happened after you. he got in shape. Though. Right. Was and I What's going to happen to him with this layoff? That's what I'm saying. And yeah. that's, you know, I was giving him a hard time calling him fat and everything. And I can do that because I'm fat. So it's, it's fair. But I, I, I was calling that because he's an NBA pro. He's a max contract guy. How can you come in? I mean, his pants were tight. His you could see his stomach. <laughs> it was it was all real tight. It looked terrible. And I thought, how can this guy go out there and look at these fans and know he's getting a hundred million bucks and and can't even get in shape? So, but my concern is, you know, there are guys that have weaknesses that way that put on weight easily. And I'm telling you, the guys like Joel Embiid has that issue. Uh, 
uh, Zion has that issue. You know, uh, Jokic, there's a lot of guys in the league that, you know, they just have that body type and tendency to put weight on unless they're really, really pushing uh, to stay in shape. And I, I've, I've circled all the all what I call chubby team that uh, that I'm concerned and I'm not going to play right out of the gate. I want to see two or three games minimum from each of these chubby guys of which Jokic is the captain. And uh, let's see if they're going to come back because like, I, you know, I talked about it at nauseam the other day on the show. I don't know if you heard the podcast. I was scouting uh, the Y2K challenge. Did you hear that one on the podcast? I heard what you said. They're not I heard. Y2K, 2K. I'm right. such an idiot. That's You talk about being so – every once in a while I show my age, you know. That's <laughs> so funny, man. But it was a 2K challenge we were having, and it was uh, Aiton against Levine. And it just yeah, yeah. goes to show you it was it was so – incredibly eye-opening and such a great note to make. But once I made that note on there, and for those guys that missed it and gals out there, the they had a conversation during the 2K game where uh, Aiden asked him how he was doing, and he said he's doing great. He has a gym built in right next to his apartment. He's getting all his shots up. He's doing his cardio. He's working out. He said he's ready to go today. And Aiden said, ooh, he said, all I've done – is lift weights every day. And Levine was like, why are you lifting weights, man? You're already so big. He said, and then he goes, this is unbelievable. Not the sharpest tack in in the dish, but he says, I haven't done one thing cardio. Not one. It's just amazing. Oh my gosh. So, So, you know, and here's a guy that is also a guy that can put on weight and be, you know, not ready to play. So what is that? So that's a great thing to note because obviously Tons of people didn't hear that or see that. And again, I watched that for that information. I know it sounds silly. I really I don't play 2K at all. I don't, you know, I just was wanting to hear the conversations between players to get a, a temperature of where they were at. I didn't expect that kind of reveal, you know, but uh, there it was. And what it made me start thinking about the last couple of days, and then, you know, when I was preparing for this with Jokic, is I've I've made a list and I'll share that on a on a different podcast here when we wrap up basketball. But I've got 11 guys on the list already on that all chubby team that is led by Jokic. Now, if I was in the league, I'd be on that that list too. So I'm not tr- making fun of guys. I'm just looking at it from the DFS standpoint of who are we going to roster? Who do we you know need to just sit back and see what they're going to do first? So that'll be really interesting. But Jokic is going to be a big key guy there, too, because at the beginning of the year when he was sucking it up, sucking wind up and down the court, you know who was benefiting from that? You were seeing more DFS points from Murray, from Millsap, and from uh, Barton. Those were the three main guys, and you were getting more minutes from Plumlee, who's in always been in solid shape. So just a whole dynamic to look at uh, you know, with the Nuggets and something that we have to keep a close eye on. But let's just say he comes back and he's in the same shape and he's good to go. I'm still not high on the Nuggets. I think they're one of the teams, uh, you know, I've probably done, been on pods with about 20 of the teams. And there's like three teams that I just put a massive question mark on for 
why am I rostering guys from this team when it's like putting, you know, a, a thread through a needle? I mean, uh, the the head of a needle because you you got to get the perfect scenario for one of these guys to go eight nine x. And yeah, Jokic has done it like three times. I don't know if Murray's done it very much. I know Millsap, Barton, those guys maybe one. So I mean, you're shooting for a real tough ticket here when you stack nuggets. And that was my big my big uh, takeaway with these guys. Uh, if they stay healthy, the way Malone coaches, the pace that they play, the defense they play, it may be winning basketball, but it's not DFS winning basketball. Yeah, and I'll follow up with three points. One of them you were just kind of alluding to, the ceiling, yep. ga- the ceiling games of Barton and Murray. Yeah. Barton has two games over 50 all season. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Murray does have a little bit more five. Uh, exposure. He's got five total. Yeah, four over 50 yeah. and one over 60. That's still not enough for me, though, with playing 65 games or whatever. Let me see how many games he He's played. He's played 55. 55 games. Yep. So he got five out of 55. Yeah, that's he's not cheap. So No, he's not. Yeah, yeah, he, he's pretty steady though as a as a cash play, but, um, but not a gigantic ceiling. I mean, not a gigantic ceiling. Yeah. Then the next point I want to make is to follow up on your point of with all these guys in the rotation splitting the usage, you really do have to pick your spots with right. trying to pick out one of these nuggets, and that's one thing we pride ourselves on right. looking at those opportunities. So that's one reason to follow DFS coach talk because, you know, we really zero in on not just the usage numbers, but the, the matchup, um, the opponent, the schedule. And so I want to give you, I want to give you an example on Plumlee. He's had three, I'll call them ceiling games for him. For a guy mm-hmm. who on on DraftKings he averages 19 points a game. He's had three games over 30, and okay. two of them two of them over 40. Okay. Look at that. He's and, a better play than Murray. If, <laughs> if, seriously, if Just, you look well, at for it, the price from the, for that price, yeah. I mean, all things considered, that's a a perfect kind of example of yeah. But he still could put you a seven and kill you too. So yeah, but with, here's here's what I want to make for you know, a specific example of how we break things down at DFS Mm -hmm. Coach Talk. Back in December is one of the days I recommended Plumlee because they were going to New York. It was December 5th. It was the front end of a back-to-back. They were going to be playing Boston the next day. And and I sort of evaluated the schedule, looked at the matchup. I remember that. I remember that. And I said, you know, they're going to blow out New York. They're going to even their minutes out a little bit because they know they want to save up for Boston the next day. And I said, this is a great opportunity for Plumlee. Sure enough, he got 21 minutes and he put up 41 fantasy points. Yeah, I do remember that, man. Perfect. But see that, you know what, Andrew, not to interrupt you, but I got to make this point because I know it's what you're about to say. And I just want to say it emphatically. That is what sets us apart at DFS coach talk because if you throw those that information into an optimizer, it is not going to spit out Plumlee. The reason we're putting Plumlee in a lineup like we did that day and provided to our members was because we knew the situation, what was happening, 
what the rotation is, what the coach does, what the likeliness of all of those different elements coming together, and we hand-build everything. So you can manipulate and handle that step-by-step rather than just, you know, play 6% plumbly and be on down the road. And I, I think that was one of your best takeaways that day. And, uh, you know, when you get a guy like that, I think that was like 9X for him, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 9 to 10X, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other point I want to make on Plumley is what happened the next time they played the Knicks. It was only 10 days later. And one of the reasons I look at box scores is to look at the matchups and also because I think coaches look at box scores and they sure. remember matchups. They remember that Plumley had a great game against New York off the bench. Even though Mitchell Robinson was playing, they said, you know what, let's – Let's see if he can do it again. So the next time out, I recommended Plumlee again because of that matchup. Uh-oh. And sure enough, the coaching staff gave Plumlee Adjusted. 33 minutes, Woo! and he gave us 37 fantasy points. Wow. So that's just you know one little angle that we, we look at is matchups, um, and we, we dive in to try to get the edge and, and figure out – you know, who is the underpriced player on a given slate that we want to look at. Exactly. And, you know, stuff like you just mentioned, too. I I love to play centers against Mitchell Robinson. Everybody else says, oh, my God, he's a great shot blocker. He could lead the league in shot shot blocks. But you know what? He's not a good defender. His anticipation is poor. His footwork is poor. He gets in foul trouble a lot because he goes for every fake. And, you know, just another point, you know, where the average DFS player, I think, shies away from playing centers against Robinson. But I'm telling you that, that he's a he is not his real uh, plus minus defense is not good, uh, even with all those blocks included. But that's a, a great point on Plumley. That's really a type of summary that, that tells you what we're all about here and how we we build our lineups and why we're different. So. I appreciate you bringing that up. I think that's – I had forgotten about it till you mentioned, but I remember the whole Plumley thing very well. Excellent. So I've got one final takeaway for you on Denver. Sure. And it comes from the defensive side of the ball and yeah. looking at opponents, especially as we get towards the playoffs. And one of the stats for Denver that's very positive is that they are eighth in – Guarding the three-point line, they only give up a 34.6% conversion rate from distance. Right. And one of the guys who's really come on, and you mentioned him earlier, but it's something that – it was a trend I was starting to notice in the second half there that I was able to dig back into to get ready for this podcast. But Tory Craig, when he's yeah. in the starting lineup – He's a he, stopper. He is a stopper. He shuts down the opposing player's best guard who is yeah. a three-point – Specialists. So listen. And that's to these. how they use them too. You know? Yeah. Listen to yeah. these names: James Harden, Devin Booker, and Damian Lillard. Bunch of bums. <laughs> <laughs> Just in the last four to six weeks, he has started against those teams, guarded those guys, and they have underperformed. They've they've scored under their season average, and he's frustrated them, not only getting them to shoot fewer three pointers, but to shoot a lower percentage. So. That's something very important to monitor as we head down the stretch, get into the playoffs. Is he in the starting lineup? Um, and if so, 
I am going to fade the opposing star uh, from, from the perimeter. And I mean, you know, there's no question if they're playing one of those guys that you mentioned in the playoffs kind of thing, he's going to see a big jump in minutes. There's no doubt. Uh, not that that means he's a good play DFS wise because he's very spotty exactly. there, but you need to know that, like you say, you know, if you're going to spend 10 grand on uh, Lillard and, and Craig's Gardner. Big mistake, man. Big exactly. Mistake. Great point. Uh, then the last thing I want to go over, and then I'll, I'll I'll throw it over to you with the Jazz, is the contract situation with the Nuggets, because that's always a massive, massive important thing for the team makeup. And, you know, you always have guys playing better in their last year, their contract. It's just a given. Even they people say they don't, they do. It's in their head. And, you know, sort of the way it's looking going forward. Well, Paul Millsap has a big, fat $30 million $500,000 spot on the books. So I, I'm pretty sure this is the end of the road for Paul Millsap with the Nuggets, unless he resigns like at a very low minimum, uh, unless somebody out there still thinks he's got some game left. But he's 35 years old. It opens up a big chunk of cap space uh, for the Nuggets. And uh, <clears throat> I think that's one of the key moves for them because it gives them a lot of freedom to do some other things. Uh, we know that Jokic is locked up for uh, four years, $118 million guaranteed. Do a couple sit-ups, brother. Um, <laughs> and we have Gary Harris locked down, somehow got $60 million guaranteed. I, I just, I've never thought Gary Harris was very good. I didn't think he was that great at Michigan State. I don't think he's that good as a pro. He's just one of those guys, he plays good D, can make a few jumpers, but nothing special really about him. Uh, they got Mason Plumley. He has an expiring contract for $14 million this year, so they have a decision to make there. I would think Plumley at you know 30. I, I would I wouldn't think there's a team out there that may want to sign him on the cheap uh, to play some center solid center minutes for them. Uh, I would not be surprised. You know, I could see a team like Charlotte or something. You know, he could start for a team like that because he hustles. He's efficient, you know, and he's not a bad DFS uh, points per minute, except that you got to watch him shoot that crooked, like, corkscrew free throw. That <laughs> makes the one bomb. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it's interesting to see how he's going. Now, the other key guys they already have locked in are Barton, Grant, uh, how you know Murray's contract, right? Yeah, Jamal Murray it's a mon- signed monstrosity. Six years, all guaranteed, one seventy-four, a hundred and seventy-four million. That's just mind-boggling to me. Um, then Michael Porter's on the rookie deal. Now you know here's the two. Here's a cheap guy that you just mentioned. He's two million bucks on an expiring contract, and that's Torrey Craig. I think they may pony up for him just because of his defensive prowess because he's an important part of that team. But they even have Monte Morris locked in. He's set to stay for a couple more years. And a few of their young guys, the rookie Cam Card that has some potential, uh, is on a rookie deal. And Akeda Bates' job that they got from Minnesota in that deal uh, is on his rookie deal. So they're, you know, they're in pretty good position. I mean, 
<clears throat> I don't think losing Millsap is going to do anything but open a bunch of uh, money up and allow them to play Porter more minutes and even Grant more minutes. So <clears throat> as a Nuggets fan, you got to be happy that they have their two uh, all-stars locked in long-term and the rest of their guys uh, paid up as well. So, you know, it'll they, they have a, a bright future. Uh, Malone seems to be doing a good job there. I'm not the biggest uh, Malone fan, but, you know, he gets, he gets them to play hard, and uh, they're winning. They've been doing that now for two straight years. Nobody was counting them in the top couple of seeds. Uh, and what were they last year in the West seed? Do you remember? I don't remember. They were either one or two, something stupid. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, and now they're third and they're, and, you know, to go back to that, let's, you know, we didn't talk about that aspect and that's what I'll finish on is what's going to happen if they come back and they play the remaining 15 games or so for everybody, which is still in question. But if they do, which is very possible, they're going to be meaningful games because the Denver Nuggets at 43 wins, the Clippers have 44 so they could move up to a two seed. I don't believe they'll catch the Lakers. But if they come back and they do have the, the chubby Jokic and they're not playing well, the Mavericks down in the seven hole are 40 wins. So they could plummet from a home court if there's if they don't play at the neutral site. All these ifs this year. But Utah, Oklahoma City, Houston, and Dallas are right on their butts. So I think they'll come back wanting to play hard, especially if there's a home court at stake. Uh, plus, they don't want to have to turn back around and play like a Clippers in the first round. So I think, you know, they are they need to maintain, um, you know, what they were doing. They started slumping a little bit. They were 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games before the break and just, you know, playing average ball. So, this is going to be an interesting team, uh, certainly a dangerous team, but uh, I, I think a team for the last two years has somewhat overachieved, to be honest with you, to you know to be uh, in the top of the Western Conference for two years in a row, right at, in the top three uh, both years is is very impressive. So that's it, man. That's what I got for the Denver Nuggets. Not one of my favorite teams, but you know. There, I respect them. That's for sure. Excellent. Well, I will get going on Utah, and they are right on Denver's heels in the standings. They're fourth in the West right now, 41 yeah. and 23. So they're a game and a half back, and um, they certainly would be one of those teams that would try to move up and catch Denver if we come back. Um, and Denver actually has a very tough schedule. Five of their next six. Sorry, four of their next five are against the Lakers, the Clippers, the Thunder, and Toronto. So yep. um, I think Denver's one of those teams that'd rather just go straight to the playoffs. And teams like Utah, uh, they'd like to play it out a little bit more and see if they can move up. Um, but they they are going to have to they are going to have to come out swinging to try to at least secure that four seed and and maintain home court advantage. And one thing I'll say, and then I'll, I'll let you roll here. Denver and Utah are two of the best home court advantages in the league. Combined, those two teams are 46-18 and 18 at home. So if, and this is a big if, but it's a big thing to consider, 
if they do play this at one venue in Vegas or whatever, where they're playing under one roof with no fans, it is going to crush those two teams because they depend on that altitude and being home and be in front in front of some crazy fans, as opposed to a lot of these other teams where, you know, yeah, they're a lot of them have a winning record at home, but nothing like uh, quite like those two guys. So, yeah, that's that neutral court situation. It also crushes them, the two of them in the sense that why are they going to play for a third seed instead of a four seed or five seed when you're not losing home court advantage because it's all played in the same location. So keep that in mind for teams like Denver and Utah as well. Yeah, that's a great point. So the interesting thing about Utah, not, not, not only with that home court advantage that kind of parallels Denver, but they're also 25th in pace. So yeah. we, we should probably be talking like this for the entire podcast because they're so slow. They are it's, slow. This is like the theme with these two teams. You know that 10 of the top 15 pace teams in the NBA are in the West. 10 of the top 15, but these guys are down down at the bottom. So They're slow, but that's Quinn Snyder, man. I'm yep. a big Quinn Snyder guy. He was at Duke, coached uh, at Memphis in college. and I, That dude can coach defense and control of the game. He he plays you like a yo-yo when you're the other coach, man. He's a He is an underrated, successful coach. Just because he cheated at Memphis and paid players, everybody pays players. You can't hold that against him. The dude can coach his eyes out. Yeah, he really can. Definitely like him a lot as a coach. Uh, and so one of the impacts of that slow pace in terms of fantasy is fewer possessions. And, Coach, you described that a little bit, what that impact is like. But for Utah specifically, defensively, they just don't get steals and blocks. They have fewer and fewer chances. They're more of a contained defense. And – as a result, they're 30th in the league in steals, and they're, 29th, they're 29th in blocks. That's so terrible. The With first, Rudy Gobert? Yeah. They wow. average four blocks as a team. He gets I half no of them. I had no idea that they were that low. That's yeah, he shock. Gets, he gets half of them. Next on the list is Bradley. He gets 0.5 blocks a game. So all those stocks, there aren't any for the Jazz. There aren't any. <laughs> So the first major takeaway is you better think twice before you play any of these guys on FanDuel because you're not going to get those three points. It just doesn't happen. That's huge, too. On the steal side, I mean, even you'd think somebody like Donovan Mitchell would get some a few steals here and there. He only averages one steal a game, and that leads the team. That's terrible. Isn't that awful? I, I It's very surprising because defensively they, they play pretty well. So you would think – steals would be a part of that uh that's crazy yep so that's the first takeaway in, in terms of the fan duel DraftKings thing um gobert is the one guy that i would consider playing on fan duel with any regularity because he does average those two blocks he yeah. gets 0.8 steals a game uh and and so he he's a monster in that regard but yeah one of this one of the stats for him that again would lead you towards DraftKings is he's had 46 double doubles out of 62 games. Nice. So he's almost a lock to get you that double double. You get that bonus on DraftKings. Yeah. And he's all, he's a little bit underpriced it seems like all the time. Yep. And <clears throat> I I would think he'd be 
especially attractive to you as a cash player on DraftKings. He's had 35 of his games out of 62 over 40 fantasy points. 10 He's over got a, 50. A very high floor. I mean, consistent. Very, very consistent. A little bit of a limited ceiling, but still yes. safe yeah. for cash. Yeah, he only has 10 games over 50, and he has zero over 60. So wow. you're never going to get that ceiling of Jokic. But right. um, awesome, awesome, steady floor. So yeah. that's the big takeaway for him. The other team stat that leads you towards playing DraftKings more is that these guys do shoot the rock from distance. They are number one in the league in three-point percentage. They wow. make 38.3% of their threes, and they're number eight in three-pointers made. So they focus a lot offensively there. So you get Bogdanovich some Bogdanovich nice... is one of the most pure shooters in the whole league, top he five. Is. He, he is. really is. Not and, a great DFS guy, but he yeah. can shoot the eyes out of the hoop. Yeah, and he's he's much more of a cash player too. The guy doesn't have that huge ceiling. He he doesn't have any games over 50 fantasy points on well, DraftKings. That's, that's surprising because he he put up some 50 burgers for the Nets last year. That's disappointing. I'll tell you what though, your your stats there just prove home the fact that I almost never take Donovan Mitchell either. He's right. just so points dependent, and he stinks on defense. He doesn't try very hard on the defensive side of the floor. Yeah, I mean, he's got to save his energy for all those hard drives he takes offensively yeah. where he, he's loading up near half court, drives all the way to the basket. I mean, that takes a lot out of him because it's, you know, whoever whoever they put the the ball in the hands of, it's either him or Conley usually really driving hard, trying to create. And, and we know that Mitchell is fearless around the rim. I mean, he'll attack the rim, and he just doesn't have much energy left for – for defense, but you know that he that I say that about Mitchell, but he's sixth in the league in possessions in the last two minutes for his team. So we're talking about the LeBrons and all the big dudes. He's sixth. So yep. when it's crunch time, they do not put the ball in anybody's hands but his almost constantly. I mean, we're talking Harden esque here of putting the ball in his hands. So that is a great thing. If you have them coming down the wire of a game, it's, you know, but the question is, at that point, does he have 18 points, two rebounds, and, you know, one one assist? That's that's the give and take that you got to do there. But that yeah. is a cool statement because he is their clutch guy, no doubt. Yep. And you're right. He just – he still doesn't get as many stealing games as you'd like for a star. He – more than half of his games, he's under 40 fantasy points yeah, on DraftKings. That's not acceptable. Not for acceptable. His, for his level of athleticism, that's just got to – a lot of it's just got to be effort on the defensive side, I would think. I mean, or rebounding, steals, blocks. He should be able to get in there and get a lot of that stuff. There's no doubt about it. Yes, indeed. So – because those guys don't have as many ceiling games as you'd like from all-star quality players, all-star caliber players, I, you know, I, I spend a fair amount of time looking at some of these cheaper guys, trying to figure out, can I get a massive return in a GPP from anybody else? So Ingles and Clarkson are two of the guys I look at and follow in terms of their pricing. Who else is in the lineup? And so I dug in a little bit to the ceiling games for Ingles and Clarkson. 
And the big takeaway for Ingles is not surprising, but it's nice to know. He's had four games of 40 fantasy points or more. And zero of those games had Conley and Clarkson in the lineup. Yeah. That's All right. A good, so good point. It's always when they're shorthanded. It's always when they're shorthanded. One of those guys is out. He's going to have the ball in his hands more. He's going to he's going to get more shots. He's going to be more involved. I mean, he's a great passer, so he'll pile up the assists. I mean, he averages 5.2 assists a game. That is impressive across the, the minutes played. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Um, so there's the thing with Ingles. If you see Conley or Clarkson is out, then you can start to consider maybe this is going to be a ceiling game for Ingles. Yeah. And then if you turn to Clarkson, uh, much smaller sample size, of course, because he came over on December 26th. That was yeah. the first game he played for Utah this year. And he has had three games over 40 fantasy points out of his yeah. 34 in Utah. But how many single digit ones? That's he's he's dead to me in cash games. Let me just put it <laughs> yeah. that. He's had, let's see. He's had twenty games out of thirty-four with twenty or more. So he's had fourteen duds out of thirty-four. Yeah, that's roll the dice, man. So just, the the time to roll the dice with Clarkson is again with Conley out. Yeah. In a his, GP, he's a he's a fine GPP play if right. they're shorthanded or the matchup's perfect. But I'm telling you right now, he's just he's he will sink your cash lineup quicker than you can whistle. Yeah, he said, you know, for the upside GPP player, two of his three 40, 40 point fantasy games have been with Conley out of the lineup. So um, those are you know both of those guys you, you look at more with Conley out. Um, and that's pretty much it because Conley, um, he has four 40 point games out of 41 this year. Hard to believe he's only played 41 games. I mean, I know he's been in and out, but yeah, because he's been playing consistently recently, sort of forget that. But, um, you know, Utah is to kind of get back to the big picture here. They're just another team that. I don't play much either, uh, along with Denver, as you were describing. I certainly don't stack them. It's really more about trying to take advantage on, on if somebody's out of the lineup, then perhaps I go grab one of them. But because I'm playing primarily GPPs, I, I usually don't go with Gobert. I mean, the guy who doesn't have any ceiling games right. over, you know, over 60, uh, you know, I usually don't invest in him. Yeah, I'm with you. So if you want to get into the contract situation, um, yeah. the nice thing for Utah is that they have all of their core players signed up at least through next year. The, really, the key free agent is Jordan Clarkson. So that'll be the, the one turning point for them next year. I, I think they're going to want to try to re-sign him if they can. He's averaged... I mean, his numbers are are really strong. 15 points, three rebounds, 1.6 assists. He's shooting it well. He's 48, 37, 78. So he's making 13 million this year. I, yeah. I think that'll be the key negotiation for them in the off season. Uh, if I'm them, they I'm stole gonna... him from Cleveland. They gave up, yeah. you know, 
a, a bucket of basketballs for him, I think. they. So what a steal, because he's yeah. got some game, especially with Conley leaking a little oil here, looking old all of a sudden. So that's a little scary. Yeah, and it, speaking of Conley leaking oil, uh, his contract is going to be $34 million next year. Oh, wrapping oh. up. Yeah, wrapping up that long, big contract he got in Memphis. So yikes. Um, yeah, he's really got to pick it up. But if the, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how Utah does here in the playoffs with everybody healthy. You know, they are going to be a tough out. Um, but I think they're going to let Moutier walk, um, and then they're not going to really have to make any decisions other than Clarkson this offseason. That's good. So yeah, because they signed Bogdanovich and Conley last year was a a big off season moves for them, but uh, yeah, they they seem like they're pretty set. So that's you know I didn't expect them to be almost twenty games over five hundred. I gotta say I I thought they'd be one of those fringe teams to to make the playoffs to be honest, but uh, they've they've done a nice job. All right, well those were my takeaways for Utah. That's it, huh? Yeah. Utah Jazz and Denver Nuggets. Sort of, you know, you figure we're like the second to last podcast as far as going in order. You got the tougher conference, the West, and the three and four seeds. And we pretty much did poo-poo on, all, on both of them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know. Not you'd two, think. Not two great DFS teams. It's, we went more crazy when we were down at the bottom. I know, like the Phoenixes and Minnesotas and stuff. Yeah. It's, I'll tell you what, if that doesn't prove to you that good teams in real basketball do not make good teams in DFS basketball, there's no correlation. Trust me, it's just you got to look at them all at the same same level. Really, is is how it comes down to. <clears throat> Outstanding, man. Excellent. Well, excellent, excellent. Um. Make sure anytime hit us up on Twitter. Uh, that's the best place. Any questions, comments, anything you want us to include on the show. Uh, we've used several uh, pieces of information people are giving us on add this or talk about this stat. And, you know, we love adding those things in. So you can catch me anytime at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. Andrew is at Language Olympic. And Mike is at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. And uh, we also would recommend that you please keep considering the donation to MambaOn3.org, M-A-M-B-A-O-N-T-H-R-E-E.org. They are a fantastic charity that, that certainly could use help, especially during these COVID-19 times when, when that uh, fund has sort of been forgotten. So... That's pretty much it, my man. Any final words? Nope. Uh, that's it. All right. Well, uh, tomorrow will be fun. You got the two L.A. teams with Santino and Apatria. And then uh, pretty soon we're going to be getting into baseball. So fun stuff. Thank you so much for joining us for this DFS Coach Talk podcast. For my fellow NBA pros, Andrew Hansen and Mike Apatria, I am Coach We'll catch you again tomorrow as we look to crush it, prepare to crush it in NBA DFS.
favorite play is the alley. Ooh, I like the pick and roll. I like the give and go. Cause it's basketball. But Mr. Curtis 